Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Do you feel like your church's facility could be preventing growth? Or are you frustrated or maybe even overwhelmed at the thought of a complicated or costly building project? Are the limitations of your church building becoming obstacles to the path of expanding your ministry? Have you ever felt that your church could reach more people if only the facility was better suited to meet the needs of your community. Well, our friends over at Rise Point have been there. They are former ministry staff and church leaders, and they understand how to prioritize and help lead your church to a place where the building really is a ministry multiplier rather than a ministry limiter. Licensed all over North America, their team of architects, interior designers, and project managers have the professional experience to help you and your church move the mission forward. Listen, I trust RisePoint. You can trust them with your project too. Check them out over at risepoint.com forward slash unseminary. That's risepoint with an E dot com forward slash unseminary. While you're there, pick up their free downloadable resource for your team. It's called 10 Things to Get Right Before You Build. Reach out to them today. The earlier into the project, the better. Again, that's risepoint.com forward slash Unseminary. That's risepoint with an e.com forward slash unseminary today. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. Man, it's going to be a great conversation today. Really excited for this discussion. We've been looking forward to it for a while. We've got Scott Freeman with us. He's a part of the leadership of a church called Grace Church in South Carolina. This is a 10-campus church uh, that's fantastic. They're doing all kinds of amazing things that we're going to get into dive into today. They exist to make mature followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's really a family of congregations uh, in the upstate region, if I'm reading my geography right. Uh, so Scott, welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Great. Thank you, Rich. Good to be here. Yeah, why don't you fill in the picture? Kind of tell us a little bit of the Grace Church story. Kind of help me understand uh, more about the church. Sure. Yeah, the uh, the church was uh, um, planted in 1995, um, so we are coming up on 30 years. Uh, I actually moved to the Greenville area in 2000 and mm -hmm. um, became a member. I actually am not seminary trained. Uh, mm -hmm. I was. Uh, teacher and a coach uh, previously. Mm. And um, so I attended the church as a member from 2000 until 2008 and uh, then came on staff in 2008. So I've been mm -hmm. on staff now in a variety of roles, all kind of in the world of biblical community uh, for mm -hmm. 15 years. Love it. There's been a lot of change, uh, you know, over that time frame, particularly in yeah. this area. Why don't you kind of give us a sense of that? What's what's changed and evolved since, you know, that when you sure. started even? It's kind of interesting. Yeah. When I um, when I first started attending Grace in 2000, um, there were probably 200, 300 uh, attendees on Sunday yep. mornings. Uh, mm -hmm. I think there may have been 10 community groups total. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um by 2008, when I was asked to come on staff, we had grown. It was still just one campus, but we had about 60 community groups. Wow. And one uh, pastor was overseeing all of those. And wow. obviously, he was feeling 
spread very thin. Yes. And the decision uh, by our elders was to add three group pastors to kind of work underneath him and take mm-hmm. 20 groups each so that we could equip those leaders to then um, disciple their group members. And so, uh, so in 2008, we're at 60 uh, groups and um, one campus. And now, 15 years later, we are at 10 campuses across the upstate and we have over 250 community groups. So we've wow. definitely grown uh, significantly since, since 2008. Yeah, absolutely. This I'm really looking forward to this conversation because um, Grace is one of these churches that is an outlier in a lot of cases. Uh, you know, we're still seeing two thirds of multi-site churches aren't getting beyond three locations, uh, and it's some it's less than one percent get beyond uh, six. So you know, you're you are in the rare you know rare error on that front, and then the same on the community groups thing. Like you, you know, wide penetration. That's I'm really looking forward to learning from that. But why don't we start it's with it's kind it's- of yeah, well, sorry, it is ahead. interesting you say that with the uh, mm-hmm. with the three to four. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that was probably the hardest jump was, mm-hmm. and and I was part of that on the biblical community side. I was not uh, necessarily in, in a lot of the decision making on that, but that mm-hmm. was probably the uh, the fork in the road where it was mm-hmm. the most difficult. Going mm-hmm. from seven to eight, eight to nine, nine to ten has not been nearly as difficult as that. Um, when really a central staff became necessary and the mm-hmm. three to four was probably a, a difficult uh, jump. Yeah, absolutely. You uh, At that phase, you go from being a church with the campuses to a church of mm-hmm. campuses. Like you have to really... Mm-hmm. You, you can kind of fake it for a while there and like, just everybody work harder. Uh, but that doesn't scale, you know, to four, five, six, seven uh, locations for sure. So why don't we start with... Um, maybe we'll start at the granular level. So when you... Uh, when you define um, like a, a biblical community, what does that look like? What are, what are kind of the group's experience look like? Help us understand that. Sure. Um, most of our groups are made up of, and I will say our groups are um, covenant members only. Um, and a lot of the uh, kind of the way we structure groups works for us. I would, mm-hmm. um, you know, not say it's right for everyone. I don't think it's a mm-hmm. right, wrong thing. Um, but uh, we, choose to make our groups primarily discipleship driven, not necessarily outreach and um, trying to allow you know new folks to come in through groups. So with that being in mind, it is for uh, covenant members only. Uh, mm-hmm. Typically it is uh, a heterogeneous mixture. We do have some kind of life stage specific situations in different groups, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it's a mix of marrieds and singles. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a mix of different stages of life. Um, groups meet uh, typically for about a three year life cycle. And, mm-hmm. um, they do a mixed uh, curriculum wise of, uh, questions that we provide from the, uh, from the teaching weekly teaching. Mm-hmm. And, um, we, uh, we ask that groups not just be a Bible study where the group leader, uh, reteaches mm-hmm. the weekly teaching, but that they pray together, <laughs> they serve together, there's fellowship, there's Bible study, um, they talk about how to be generous with their time and their resources together. It, it's all of our core values, hopefully focused on as equally as possible during that group meeting. Yeah, I love it. I'd, I'd love to dig into a couple of those things. You know, the the whole 
um, you know, heterogeneous, homoge- homogeneous group mm-hmm. question. Why has grace fallen down on the like, okay, we're going to, so, so are the groups then more kind of based on the region that you're in? Just kind of more, you know, like, Hey, we're in this part of town kind of thing. Is that, is that what they look right. like? Yeah. Um, you know, we do group, uh, our groups are based on the campus you attend. So rarely would there be someone from our downtown campus in a community group with someone from our Pelham campus. It is campus mm-hmm. specific because we do feel like there is benefit to worshiping alongside um, folks, you know, on the weekends that you're in group with. Uh, and then there are some just logistical challenges night of the week that people are able to meet um, mm-hmm. uh, area of town. We are very intentional though um, about placing groups together. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we pray through that process. We do, we are strategic and think this couple would be great with this couple. Uh, but there are a lot of times where we make placements and we have folks mm-hmm. come and say, man, that, that was so awesome that y'all knew I needed someone who had also lost their mom because I'd lost mine. And we had, <laughs> and we had no idea. Yeah. You know, that's and it God's was grace, just, right? That's, it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. So, huh. um, so we are intentional about that and there are mm-hmm. some, again, logistical things, but for the most part, it is area of town because mm-hmm. we do want people in community with folks they're going to run into during the week and be on PTA yeah. with and, and see in the grocery store and those love type of things. Yeah. I love it. Um, now the three-year life cycle that stood out to me. Uh, what do you mean by that? Kind of pull that apart when you're, when you're talking about sure. that with people, what do you say? <laughs> yeah. Um, now I will say that is not written in stone. It's not, you know, okay. an absolute, um, sure. we have kind of found that groups need long enough to, uh, obviously get vulnerable and transparent with each other, mm-hmm. uh, get to know each other. If you, um, you know, break up a group sooner than three years, it may not have time for that to happen. Uh, Mm. We've also learned that at typically around the three-year mark, um, things start to get a little comfortable, maybe a little bit stale. Mm. And Mm. often there are folks in that group that need to be leading their own group. And unless you kind of uh, kick them out of the nest, (laughs) it's it's not going to happen. And Mm. so um, we've kind of, you know, found that three-year sweet spot of starting to have conversation with the leaders. Um, to say, hey, you know, you, you're n- nearing the end of year three. You probably have some folks in mm-hmm. your group that could lead their own. Now, we're not going to scatter that group in eight different directions. Typically, it mm-hmm. would split in half, maybe split into thirds. But um, the the three year change up does kind of uh, you know give people a restart. Um, mm-hmm. I know we had a group that had uh, been together for four years, and um, when I first came on staff. Uh, mm-hmm. my boss was like, you know, I really feel like you've got some people in your group that need to lead. It's probably time mm-hmm. to, to break it up. And, and I understood the rationale behind it. My, my wife was not happy when I got home and told her that these folks that we've been doing life with for, for four years, we need to kind of go in different directions. But I did realize when we ended that group and started a new one, just how predictable I knew who mm-hmm. was going to make the joke. I knew who was going to answer. I knew who was going to say what. Mm-hmm. And it challenged me as a leader and it gave us some new ways of thinking. And some folks mm-hmm. went out from that group and, um, and led their own when they, when they really needed to. And so they mm-hmm. would have just stayed comfortable. Had we not, had we not ended it. Um, and, and we're still friends with those folks. We, we haven't lost <laughs> community with them. Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, so again, three years is kind of when we start to have that conversation. There have been groups that we've ended after two, just because it wasn't going well. 
There have been some that really started to get traction at that three-year mark, and we let it go four and maybe even five or six. So it's Mm. it's not um, a hard and fast rule, but that's kind of our our standard. Yeah, rule of thumb. It's kind of like that. That's interesting. That's interesting. Right. The other thing I heard you say did I did I hear you say that groups are fourteen to eighteen? You start up. That seems a little large. That's larger than what I hear in kind of you know when you read a book on how to run a groups ministry. Right. You know they they won't say that. So is yeah. did I hear that right? Well, if I said if if I could um, create the ideal group, I would say it's probably twelve. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Great. And, yes. Uh, but a we run short on leaders and so spaces yep. are at a premium and we have to, you know, expand. There's also just the, we, our community, um, especially, you know, the city of Greenville, a lot of industry, a lot of people coming and going. There's a lot of folks mm. that, uh, you know, um, are coming in and out. And so there mm-hmm. is some attrition in groups. Mm-hmm. And so we know mm-hmm. that if we launch them at 16, 18, they probably settle in at 12 to mm-hmm. 14. Mm-hmm. So, um, we do probably, we launch them a little bigger than we want them to end up just knowing that in a lot of cases smart. that will happen. Yeah, that's smart. That's, uh, that's a, yeah, that's a great idea. That's, that's compelling for sure. I totally get that. Um, now talk about, so the church as a whole has experienced tremendous growth over these years and, uh, there can often be this tension of it's the like, get big, go deep, you know, how, can you really, I, I know you know this, but like, Mm-hmm. You know, can can people develop actual community uh, in a fast growing church? Talk me through how the group structure has tried to support that. You know, the growth that's been happening, kind of in the church as a whole. Yeah, I I will say, and I'm speaking on behalf of our governing elders here who make sure. the decisions on when to launch campuses and yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. I think one uh, mindset on adding campuses that has been very helpful is that we don't. Uh, see an area and think, man, we'd really love to have a church in Spartanburg, or we'd really love Mm -hmm. to have a church in Anderson. Mm -hmm. We have a group of people who are driving 30 minutes to one of our campuses Mm -hmm. from one of those spots. And it is Mm -hmm. a no brainer to say, well, let's find a location and provide a campus in this community where people are already coming, you know, to, to our church. And so it's really, um, giving them the opportunity to worship locally and invite their friends versus them having to commute. Uh, to church mm-hmm. on the weekend. And so I think that has helped. Um, and then, you know, when you do have 10 campuses, you have 10 growth centers of people mm-hmm. going out and sharing in their community about life change that's happening. And um, mm-hmm. it's really, that's where you kind of see the exponential growth instead of, um, you know, one site, you've got 10 smaller sites that are growing at the same time. And so that has, that has really helped. But there has to be depth there and there has to be mm-hmm. real life change or it's not going to be sustainable. Uh, and I think people see that, um, you know, we're intentional about teaching the Bible. We're intentional about discipling people and helping them no matter where they are in their Christian faith when they first come to grace, helping them grow in that and grow deeper. And um, I think people respect that and want to be a part of that. Love it. Um, do you guys do any other you know, things that might look like one of these groups, but aren't really one of these groups like classes or, you know, other types of biblical community. We do. Um, and that change, it it really was a mindset shift for us probably, Mm. uh, six or seven years ago 
uh, community group was the answer for everything in, in our yep. minds. You know, if you've, you've got marriage issues, well, you know, get in a community group. You having financial mm-hmm. struggles, well, get in a community group so people can know you mm-hmm. and help you work through that. Parenting issues, community group. And we started to realize that there were and are specific um, issues that people need real intense, focused help in a certain area. And so mm-hmm. the, uh, I guess the first um, idea or thing we launched was re-engage, which we got mm-hmm. uh, from Watermark in Dallas. And um, uh, we launched that as a marriage ministry. In some cases, people did that alongside community group, but in a lot, a lot of cases, it was kind of a off ramp from community group to really focus on their marriage for a season, mm-hmm. get healthy and then come back into a right. community group. Um, and that went really well. We have since, uh, added, uh, regeneration, uh, mm-hmm. recovery ministry. We have divorce care. We have grief share. Mm-hmm. We have a number of different, um, care and recovery, uh, forms of biblical community. And we've really had to communicate while community group is, the most common and probably the um, uh, the form of community that a big per- big percentage of our members are in. It is not the normal or the the right form, and all these others are, are lesser. Um, mm. You know, in fact, in a lot of cases, um, people are getting very vulnerable and growing tremendously in region, and then they're bringing that to their community group after the fact, and our groups are getting better as a mm. result of these other ministries. So we've we've had to view it as not a competing thing, but as a complementary form of biblical mm-hmm. community. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I think that is addresses a practical concern, particularly at school, you know, you know, as, or as, as, sorry, not as a school, as they scale, you know, as they grow, mm-hmm. you end up, you know, by just by the sheer number of people, it's like, man, we've got a giant number of people who are going through a marriage issue or going through, you know, recovery. And, and so, um, you know, if we were a smaller church, we could maybe have a, a person in one of those scenarios in a group and kind of, um, you know, just deal with it. But at mm-hmm. scale, you're like, man, we got to figure out how to how to do that. That makes total sense. I love that. That's that's good. Yeah. And, Can you- and when when a couple is struggling, say, in their marriage or someone is dealing with an addiction or, you know, any any felt need like that. And it's week after week after week. Not only does it, uh, they don't feel like they're getting what they need from the group or the group Mm -hmm. feels like they're monopolizing the time. And it really kind of shuts down, you know, my wife and I might be on the way to group and have a minor conflict and think, you know, that's something we should probably bring up to the group. But I mean, it it would seem silly compared to what that other couple is going through. So we're just going to stuff it and stay quiet. Mm -hmm. And so it can really kind of derail, um, what the group want, wants and needs to accomplish to disciple everyone. So um, mm-hmm. I think those are the cases where some of these alternate forms of biblical community become really effective and appropriate. Yeah. Could you talk me through what, what the staff structure looks like? So I think you said you had 250 plus community groups. H- how right. are you supporting those from, a, a, you know, what's the staff structure look that provides care and, you know, direction for the, those groups? Right. Um, every, every member, every covenant member at our church has a responsible pastor. And so, um, they, and they know, they know who that is. And so, Hmm. um, at our smaller campuses, there, um, is a campus pastor and a group's pastor. And Mm -hmm. so those, um, you know, our smaller campuses may have 12 or 15 of those community groups. And so that one group's pastor 
spends a majority of his time working with those um, leaders uh, over mm-hmm. those community groups. And then uh, really his, his main job is to equip those leaders to then do ministry uh, within their group. He will get in involved and uh, meet directly with members of those groups at times, but really to replicate himself and to um, equip those leaders is, is the primary focus. And then on mm-hmm. some of our larger campuses, our Pelham campus is, is our largest. We have four group life pastors um, who, mm-hmm. again, still have 20 groups or so that they're responsible for, and they cover those 80 groups at that campus in that same mm-hmm. way. So every group leader has a pastor that they have his cell phone number. They can call him any time of day. We have mm-hmm. Group Life Women's Ministers who are able to uh, care for the female leaders. All of our groups right now are, because they are heterogeneous, they're led by couples. Um, and so, you know, the men are meeting with, with the men, the women are meeting mm-hmm. with women, and then our staff is there to support those leaders as well. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's cool. Lo- love that. Um, when you're thinking about, you know, the curriculum how so you said it's a mixture of sermon based and then and then our groups do like then picking other curriculum you have like a set of other things that they can do is that what that looks like maybe unpack that a little bit yeah um we encourage groups to um again find times to serve together so there are weeks mm-hmm. where uh they're completely outside the home and they're going and and serving somewhere in the community uh, mm-hmm. We do provide sermon questions every week, um, and and we do that uniquely. Uh, we have a couple of reflection questions on the teaching that they've just heard, mm-hmm. and then we have the passage that is going to be taught the upcoming week with a few look-ahead questions to that. And so it really kind of creates mm. some anticipation of oh, what's that's to cool. come, yeah. uh, and it really kind of minimizes the group leader's desire or a tendency to maybe try to reteach what you know mm. you just heard. So yes. it's a little bit of a look back and a look forward. It gets people involved with the reading plan and hopefully creates some questions that they may have coming into next week's teaching and they come ready to to learn. Um, we do, uh, you know, we ask if they're going to do a book or something kind of outside of the norm that they run it by us just to, mm-hmm. um, you know, make sure we're okay with it, you know, if we've got somebody in a leadership position, 99% of the time when they bring something up, it's, it's great. Yeah, um, totally. we have, yeah. we have a church, uh, subscription to right now media. So, mm-hmm. um, we, I, we have group leaders that use uh, curriculum from that at times. Um, we do encourage our leaders, you know, if there's anything that you are, um, so dependent on, like, we should forget to do the sermon questions one week and not it not be a tragedy. You know, yes, leaders yes. ought to be able to move on and because things are going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And so we tell leaders, if you've done the sermon questions every single week for the last two years, you need to take a season and just right. stop. <laughs> so <laughs> That's the, a main, good insight. the main thing, yeah, the main thing is keeping it fresh, not getting locked in on one, one way of doing it. We also encourage groups to just, change um just the group dynamic so one week uh you know come together as a group but then have the guys go in one room the ladies go in another uh, another mm-hmm. week maybe just break up into small groups of four because the more you can change the uh the environment change um the people that folks are around you never know 
which setting is going to allow someone to mm-hmm. confess something, to mm-hmm. bring up something that they've been scared to bring up. And so we just want to create as many different environments as possible so that life change can happen through that. Yeah, that's that's cool. I love that. There's obviously, you know, I love the direct connection, you know, that every group leader or couple has, you know, some people that they can interact with. Love that. I think that's fantastic. Obviously, a um, really great support in the background from that that point of view. But what what other training? If I'm a community group leader, what other training am I getting? Kind of ongoing uh, throughout the three years that I'm journeying. That maybe like you do classes for them, or you know, what, right. what does that look like? Yeah, we have a group. We have a uh, an onboarding class called Equip, and it's as much vetting as it is training. We right. uh, we have very um, in-depth questions, kind of icebreakers that are asking, um, you know, hey, what's the biggest challenge you've had in your marriage in the last year? What is your Mm. biggest failure as a parent? And we just want to see, are you willing to share? Are you willing to be Mm. honest about your own struggles? Um, Because we don't want you to go into a group as a leader and act like you have it all together because you don't. (laughs) And that's not going to promote, you know, transparency in the people that are in your group as well. Um, You know, we even ask leaders, hey, Imagine that a year from now you're disqualified from ministry. What sin pattern would it be that mm. that got you there? And just make wow. people think through um, those type real you know struggles and questions. So we do um, a lot of that, a lot of uh, you know shepherding ideas. We use a lot of Paul Tripp material with uh, mm-hmm. love, no speak, do. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, so we train them. Um, before we launch them as leaders with material like that. And then mm-hmm. once they are leading, um, I do a monthly podcast about just a, um, a topic related to leading groups. It might be mm. um, struggling with, you know, your group struggling with attendance. It might be how to lead the singles in your groups. Well, it might be, mm. um, you know, ideas of service projects that you can do different things. Um, so, just each month I put something out like that that goes to all 250 leaders. And then our group pastors are in constant communication with those leaders, whether it's a quick conversation on a Sunday morning between services or a huddle where the pastor gets five or six group leaders together and they just share, Hey, here's a challenge I've got. How would you handle that? You know, and just sharing Mm -hmm. best practices and ideas. So, um, we we definitely don't want to train them and say, all right, call us if you have any issues and not be proactive <laughs> Good luck. Um, about continuing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You're ready. We'll Go for three it. Years. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. That's really cool. Now, when you look to the future, what are some questions that are on the horizon for you? Stuff that you're wrestling with, thinking through, hmm, like I wonder, you know, some you may some things that you're, you know, thinking about. Do we should we change up? That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we've had tension on um, how much freedom to give leaders and then how much mm. to legislate. Um, you know, I think if we um, if we give too much direction and you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, then our more capable leaders feel stifled and mm. um, are kind of like, you know, you really you could get anybody to do that. You know, that's right. Um, Mm. but then some of our, our newer leaders who might need more support. Um, and so I think finding that balance of providing enough direction and support for them without, um, stifling 
the leaders, you know, we've got a lot of leaders who are CEOs during the week in their company. And then we're telling them how they have to take attendance or how they have to do this <laughs> and, and um, giving them some freedom in that. And uh, just, you know, releasing some of that to them and say, Hey, you're a leader. Um, we trust you. Uh, mm -hmm. We want to come alongside you and help you do that. But I would say that's a challenge that, um, that we're wrestling with. And then uh, just constantly trying to um, keep the leadership pipeline going and making sure that we have enough leaders. If we do, you know, if God continues to bless us and we do continue to grow in the way that we have, that we have enough leaders to, uh, to lead those folks that, that God brings to us in the, in the mm -hmm. years to come. Love it. Do you guys do like, um, like multi, like kind of entry points during the year, like groups are starting kind of in seasons or are they just starting all the time? Yeah. Um, we do start, uh, I guess they're two main, you know, beginning of the spring, beginning of the fall. Um, our yep. smaller campuses have a little bit more, uh, flexibility because the membership class or the entry point might have, mm four or six or 10 people coming at a time versus a bigger campus that has, you know, dozens coming at a mm -hmm. time. And so there is mm -hmm. some flexibility and, um, our smaller campuses may launch a little bit more often. Mm -hmm. Um, we have, we've tried events like we did a, a group launch, um, yep. which started to feel a lot like rushed or, uh, <laughs> speed dating. I heard some okay. people call yes. it. Um, yes. and so we've, we've tried to not make it feel like that, but also be intentional mm -hmm. and help people find a group as quickly as possible. Um, I think we, we felt more tension when community group was the only form of biblical community to mm -hmm. get people in mm -hmm. quickly. Whereas mm -hmm. now that we have men's and women's ministry and we have mm -hmm. re-engage and we have regen, there are a lot of ways that folks can get connected uh, mm -hmm. in the window of time between them arriving at the church and then actually getting placed in a community group. You know, even if they show up in February and we're not launching groups until August, there are plenty of ways to get connected, to get them involved mm -hmm. and, and disciple them before they get into a, a community group in August. So interesting. This is, uh, this has been fantastic. It's like been a great, uh, I got a page of notes here. Look, it's like looking up under the hood of everything that's going on at your church. I love that. Just as we're kind of coming to the end here, is there anything else you'd love to share to kind of give us a sense of what's going on uh, in your you know, biblical community at the church? Um, I mean, I would just say all the ideas and things that we used, or most of it we've, we've stolen from other people. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Yeah, especially yeah, for sure. in, the early, in the early days, we, we met with a ton of other folks to figure out what it looked like to, um, to do groups and, and some of that stuff we've held on to some stuff we've changed. Um, I will, I'm going to share, um, some documents with you that we can oh, great. You know, include, include in the show notes that folks can, um, you know, use and take and change and do whatever they want to Love with. It. But, uh, you know, if we can pay that forward and, and help folks, um, I know when we first went to Watermark and saw the scale that they were doing regen and re-engage, I kind of thought there's no way we'll ever do it at this scale. And I know that there are people that look at our church and think the same thing. And I would just mm -hmm. say you really, you can scale any of these ideas to whatever size mm -hmm. you're at currently and it can, um, it can still work. So yeah, I love it. What what would be some of the documents or maybe talk us through what those would be cuz so people could we'll put them in the show notes friends. We'll link there. Yeah. Uh but give us a sense of what some of those are or or you know one that's particularly helpful you'll think oh this could be really good for church leaders. 
Sure. The, um, the equip class that we use for, mm-hmm. um, uh, onboarding leaders and training them, mm-hmm. um, I can include kind of what we do for that. Um, we did take the, uh, those Paul trip ideas and mm-hmm. expand them into, um, just some, some shepherding values that we want our leaders to, um, you know, to love their groups, um, you know, to know them thoroughly, to love them patiently, uh, to speak wisely and direct biblically and, mm. um, you know, to pray throughout all of that. Um, and mm-hmm. so there are some, uh, uh, things that we've created around that idea that I can put in there and, um, Love it. uh, yeah, just, just a lot of, uh, you know, again, things that we've stolen from other churches through the years yes. and kind of, Love it. uh, tweak to make our own. So. Yeah, it's so good. That that that's so helpful. I really appreciate that, Scott. That'll be uh, that'll be a great resource for for folks to take a look at. And you know, I know we're always looking to kind of learn from each other, and that's a great uh, a great way to do that. So thank you. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show today. If we want to send people somewhere online to track with you, track with the church, where do we want to send them uh, to do that? Yeah, our website is gracechurchsc.org. And SC mm-hmm. is in South Carolina. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would encourage, uh, we have, um, you know, teaching, um, on there. We have a lot of our curriculum from our men's round table, from our, is women's ministry that, uh, that might be of help. And, um, and all of our staff, uh, I know that one of my favorite things is meeting with folks from other churches and, and sharing totally. ideas. Cause we, lo- we learn as much as we, um, share probably more. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. Uh, feel free to uh, to reach out and email, and we're we're here to help any way we can. That's wonderful. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Scott. Really appreciate you. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.